What's Good. going on, everybody? It's your boy, Kilo Loco, and... And this is Iman Harut. <laughs> and welcome to the Code Passionately podcast, where we talk about everything that's relevant to mobile developers. So we're back here, another episode, another day, another hot day. And how has everything been for you, Iman? It's good. It's good. It's it's our first morning episode, so it's wonderful waking up early to do this. And uh, lately, I'll try to give you an update. What have I been doing lately? Lately, I've been actually fasting. I did a five day fast just to, you know, try it out, lose weight, whatever, and uh, it was good. Lost about like five six pounds. Most of it probably water weight, but I'll take it. So that's me. What about you? Yeah, me. I've um, just been dealing with some family stuff. Is all. Um, you know, my my wife had to go to the to the ER, and um, everything's fine. But it turned out to be like maybe high levels of stress or anxiety. Not really sure exactly what it was, but overall everything is fine now. And we're just trying to take it a little bit easy um, this weekend. So, yeah. But overall, everything's all right, and looking forward to. Another another month down. We're at the end of August. We're going to be moving into September. And finally, it'll be getting cooler. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it was a bummer to hear about that, but I'm glad that uh, she's doing okay. And I, I love fall and winter, so I'm looking forward to cooler weather for sure. Yep, nothing like being underneath a blanket. I miss that. But Seriously. But anyways, we got another great episode for y'all today. And what are we going to be talking about today, Ema? Yeah, today we'll be talking about freelancing versus employment. And uh, we'll be touching just a little bit on underemployment, the startup and corporate environments. And that's about it. Yeah. And there was only one area of this that we didn't really cover, which is going to be indie development. We can spend another day talking about that. But for the most part, when it comes to one of these two, whether it's freelancing versus being employed, a lot of the time you see that indie developers do supplement their income with either freelancing or employment. So that's that's going to be in a different episode. So no worries. We got your back there. If you are an indie developer, we would love to hear from you. But yeah, let's go ahead and kick it off and start talking about what is freelancing and why would somebody want to do something like that? Yeah, freelancing. Uh, freelancing is basically the most independent form of work you could do. It's basically contracting as a developer. And, you know, you get a lot of freedom with it, but with it, you also need a lot of self-discipline because all the responsibility basically falls on you. That's the major thing with freelancing. Yep. So you're essentially working for potentially a lot of different clients. Um, usually when you're freelancing, you don't stick with one client for multiple years. You definitely can. That's a possibility. But generally, you're going to be working with several different clients. They could be businesses. They could be individuals. And what you're doing is you're working based off of uh based off of whatever it is that they want. It's just like working um, employed, but generally you're going to not necessarily be tied down to an office and you also may get paid a little bit more, but you won't be uh, guaranteed any benefits. So those are those are some other things that you have to take into account when you're freelancing. But it's also the type of thing that happens when when people post things like on Instagram where they're working at the beach 
with their with their laptop. I don't know why anybody would want sand in their laptop, but that's the world we own. live in. <laughs> that, that's our reality. Yeah, so I'll, I'll I'll knock off a few things from freelancing as well. So the the first major thing is just your time. You get to decide like what your schedule is, how you allocate your hours to your work. Probably related here is you should also allocate time not to just working, but working on getting more work. So as a freelancer, you know, your bread and butter is these accounts, these projects. And as soon as you're done with one, you need to be able to quickly find another one. So there's more marketing involved there. And it's a little more stressful because... You need to have savings to go those months where you don't have any work, right? So that's a big consideration to have. Yeah, it's like that's actually um, just as big of a part of your job as it is to actually be coding. Um, you know, so let's say that you plan on being a mobile a mobile developer freelancer, right? And you want to go around building other people's apps, like um, doing freelance. You get to work on your own schedule, things like that. But you have to understand that you have to go out and find those clients as well. And you have to essentially be able to market yourself. We we did an entire episode on marketing yourself. Make sure you go back and check that out. But yeah, you have to get your name out there. You have to build up a list of clients and you need to have a backlog because once you finish, finish one project, what happens? Where's the money coming from for the next project? Do you even have a next project lined up? So um in a sense, you are your own business. Yeah, exactly. So while, while there's that benefit of time, you need to be thinking of all these other things as a freelancer. You can't just, oh, hey, buddy. My cat's like clawing at my lap right now. Oh, we you're not just going to say, hey, buddy, and then not show us the cat, though. Oh, man. <laughs> Come here, little guy. Come here. Come here. Here's our friend. He's the mascot of the show. His name's Icarus. He's my chubby boy, and he always like likes to cuddle and sit on my lap and grab my attention. So n- now that he's a part of the Code Passionately family, uh, we'll we'll jo- go right on with the, the work for freelancers. Um, so so for the work, it's basically like you get to basically implement how, like things however you want, especially if it's a new project you land. Um, you're going to be free to basically build the whole thing from scratch yourself, which is awesome. A lot of the judgments kind of left on you. They're trusting you to do everything. You could use the tools you want. If you have like the developer tools that you like to use, it's all whatever you like. Uh, you work exactly how you're comfortable. Oh my gosh. Um, I apologize for this guy. Um, (laughs) and then for, for uh, most clients you'll get, you'll probably be working on the project and that's it. There's usually no maintenance when you freelance, but you might have a client who wants you to build the project and also maintain it. It's just not the norm. And you get to pick which kind of projects you work on. So that's always nice too, right? Like you don't have to just accept whatever work comes to you. You decide what you want to work. You can reject clients or you could accept them. Yeah, exactly. Now there there is there is the possibility that you know you can do um, you know you may have to maintain a project right like that is something that is definitely possible where um, they actually pay you just to do the maintenance. Now, if you're the person that implemented the feature and you need to do maintenance, one thing that you need to consider is that like 
what does the maintenance entail? Like, is there a bug in your code that needs to be fixed? And how do you handle that? Do you charge for that? Um, do they only get like so many um, fixes for free after after that, then they need to start paying, things like that. And then there's also the, the the situation where you could be freelancing, but not be working on a new project, right? So you may be able to actually build a brand new project from scratch when you're freelancing. And that's usually gonna be for like a startup, but you can also be freelancing for corporations as well, where they may um, freelance out some work for like a specific feature. and that's another thing that you'll have to take into account when you are um, when you are working as a mobile developer is that you want to be able to build something that's going to be able to be dropped right into the existing project and be used easily. So that's where, you know, having really great documentation is going to have, um, like having really do great documentation for your code is going to be very helpful for the team that's going to be there to implement it. And, um, yeah, there's just a lot of different scenarios that you could run into um, in freelancing. And um, it could be a combination from you just building the project yourself to just simply implementing a, a feature that needs to be dropped directly into the project because you don't have access to the full code base. So a lot of variation there. Yeah, yeah. People can hire freelancers for literally anything. In general, it's going to be for uh, like a new project, but uh, it could be for a feature too. In generally, won't be for maintenance, but it does happen. There's no like you know, uh, one hundred percent this or that. But uh, one other thing to consider with freelancing is there's so many of them out there that business people who actually hire the freelancers may feel like. They, they they need to know you're good and you're a quality one because there's just so many bad and poor quality freelancers out there, right? So you're, you're going to have to like prove yourself even more. Word of mouth and marketing is, like I said before, even more important. So the clients you do have, you want to treat them like really well. You want to do that anyway, but especially here, there's that reason where you want their recommendation, you want good reviews, you want more business to come from your current business, essentially. So let's talk a little bit about the pay and benefits. So I think you already touched on this a little bit before, but, you know, uh, the workload and pay is unpredictable, sort of. Uh, if you're able to land a, a longer term account, this is kind of alleviated in a way. But, you know, you the challenge there is you have to find a long term account. But it's so nice not having those times of income and those times of drought, just having that consistent thing for a long period of time, you kind of get more into a routine if that's if that's what you're able to pull off yeah like freelancing is from from my experience and from what i've heard from other developers too is that freelancing is very like seasonal like you'll you you will like see a lot of um projects coming in um during usually like the first quarter of the year maybe the second quarter too and then um you know, summer is also pretty hot. So you also have third quarter 
definitely during that last quarter of the year, things start to slow down, especially around the holiday season. You know, um, during the during winter, you're just not going to see as many projects rolling in. And that's for a number of reasons. Right. Um, you know, one, a lot of people are just going on vacation around that time. But two, um, the budget is essentially spent at that point. Right. And in order to um, in order to like bring on a freelancer to work on a project, and this is like more from a corporate side, um, then you actually need to have budget to hire that person. And that doesn't happen until, you know, the beginning of the year and they can budget you in. So yeah, you definitely need to be aware that if you were to be freelancing, you have to, um, manage your money very, um, very like maturely, like you have to be very on top of it and very responsible with how you spend your money because you're going to receive a, a big fat paycheck during the first three quarters of the year. And then during the last part of the year, it may be um, a little hard to pick up some work. I'm not saying it's impossible. It's just like something that you have to be aware of. And, you know, once again, how you spend your money, you need to um, you need to handle your own benefits, right? You have to pay for all of that. And benefits are expensive in, in the U.S. And um, if you're not if you're not on top of that and you get sick, then, hey, um, you're going to you're going to be looking at a, an expensive medical bill. So, yep, it's it, there's a lot of pros and cons. And but that's essentially why you get paid more is because you have to pay for your own benefits. You have to you have to do the whole management of your business and making sure that there's a healthy pipeline of work for you to do. And even though you could essentially say, I'm only going to work for the first three months of the year, um, you have to be able to manage that money to last you until next year right so you you already touched on like being disciplined with your money when you're a freelancer you also just mentioned kind of in passing the benefits aspect of it so you have freedom in that too and you have to kind of manage it yourself you don't have the benefit of an employer who subsidizes your you know healthcare benefits and gets you a great deal because you're, you're at this company and they get like the economies of scale effect you're going to pay more for health insurance, dental and all that probably as a freelancer. So you have to factor that in as well. Another benefit is you kind of get to set your own rate. So, you know, developers make a great deal of money and a lot of them do well in freelancing. It's hard out there, but if you're able to build that pipeline, you, you can make a killing doing it. So it's kind of like the, the it's, it's almost like, doing a, a sales job versus a salary job, you know, with sales job, which is kind of like freelancing, you don't have that consistent guaranteed stream of income, but you also can make more than your salaried counterparts would if you're very disciplined and good at what you do and maybe you have a little bit of luck. So there's that. Yeah, that's 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 like a huge thing, like um, from my perspective. Right. Because like when you have like responsibilities for like a family or something like that, you have mouths that are depending on you to to feed them. Right. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit it could be a little bit stressful to not know where that next paycheck is going to come from. Now, you have to have uh, confidence in your own abilities to actually be able to go out there and find some work. But, you know, 
it's just it's 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 something that you have to take into consideration that it can be stressful when you don't know where the money's going to come from even even if you know that the money will come in some way in some form um it's it's still something that is like well I need to make sure it's, it's always going to be at the top of your mind. How, how is, how is my family going to be able to eat? So yeah. And, and going back to what Eman said about getting to set your own rate, a lot of people, when they start out, they think that they have to charge like an extremely low amount, like five bucks or something like that to build a whole project. And, um, I'll tell you right now that, um, you don't necessarily need to lower your rate to the floor in order to get employed. Um, just, I would say, uh, look around and maybe if you have a freelancing friend, uh, see how much they charge and try to get an estimate based off of like what, uh, what you might need to charge. So if, if they're a senior developer and they've been doing this for several years and they're charging a hundred dollars an hour, um, say that you're at least half as good as them. Um, so then you should be charging at least a minimum of $50 an hour. Right. And, um, that's not like necessarily a great way to gauge it, but at least you're not going to be working for like $10 an hour or something like that. Um, something like really, really, uh, cheap that won't be able to pay your bills. So, um, yeah. And, and then there's also the, the other way, which is to say that you're going to spend or you're going to cost, X amount of dollars in order to build out a project or a feature. And a lot of the time, I would say that if you can go for, um, if you could go for this option, it's probably the better option because let's say that you are going to charge somebody $5,000 to build their app or whatever. Now, if you're able to finish that app in a weekend, well, you just made $5,000 in one weekend, right? However, if you have a lot of trouble building out this app and it takes you three months, well, then you made $5,000 over three months. So if you're really confident in your abilities and you know that you know uh, the scope of work really well, then um, this one can definitely be to your benefit where you're paid for the project or paid for the end result over paying for the hours because eventually you'll get to the point to where you're essentially penalized for working too quickly and they get a discount and they get the project uh, for very cheap. So those are some things to take into consideration in, in regards to pay. Right. Uh, generally, I agree with pretty much everything you said. I'll only add that if you, if this is your first programming gig, like you're starting off as a freelancer, that's when you might want to look into being very competitive with your rate because if you don't have the experience then something's got to give but it'll be a good foot in the door to start your programming career right so compete on price if 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 it's your first gig ever if you're switching over exactly like Kyle said you know you don't need to like go like race to the floor with that invest in marketing Invest in things that will show people all the skills you already have and all the experience you already have and, you know, try to find a fair rate through that. And about getting paid per project versus per hour, I can only speak personally, but I've been uh, on a project before that took much longer than it should have. And I won't get into details on why and what happened, but basically if you're not getting paid by the hour, then they don't 
the people hiring you may not have the incentive to, you know, limit how much stuff they give you because they don't need to pay for your time. They could just keep adding more workload, more changes, things like that. But if you're paid per hour, you know, there's a limit to that. It hurts them every time they want to do that. So that's that's one thing. Yeah. And, and uh, one last thing that I want to add to that is that um, when you are working with the when you're looking at the pay, what you want to do is you want to make sure that, um, you know, you are essentially, oh, it's, it's our next point. You want to make sure that you are taking out some of our uh, some of your money to save for the taxes because, oh, my gosh, that is uh, that's that's it's painful. It's a tax season becomes painful because remember that you're getting paid um, in full and the taxes uh you're responsible for managing your own taxes. So when you're when you're employed somewhere, what they'll do is the employer will take out your taxes and then you'll essentially, I don't know exactly how it works, but essentially it's like your taxes are already paid for you. And then when you're freelancing, what you have to do is you have to handle your own taxes as well. So um, yeah, like just make sure that you're saving because tax season is tough. And then you just see all these thousands of dollars that you need to, pay back to the IRS and it makes you want to throw up. It's funny when you're rolling in dough and you realize how much of it you have to give up at the end of the year. Uh, But yeah, yeah. you you want to set aside about one third uh, code passionately disclaimer, you know, like we we're not your accountant. We're not your CPA consult with them for everything. But as a freelancer, you are responsible for all that. And yeah, like you said, with employment, you just get like a W-2, you take it to your accountant and, you know, you work it out. It's much easier, much cleaner. Freelancing, not only do you have to like think about taxes, but you also have to think about write-offs. So, you know, you have to be, you could, you should probably take more advantage of write-offs as a freelancer because there's more available for you to write off, you know, if you have a home office you know, you might be able to write that off. Who knows all that stuff. So dude, I, I had a write off. I had a write off like $10,000 or something like that. 10,000, $12,000 in, in like work expenses. And I still ended up owing like, like still like $10,000 or something like that one year. It was just like, and that was, that was with the, that was like one of the lower ones, I think, but it was like the more recent ones. And it wasn't until like about two years ago, I actually started getting refunds again because I've been employed. So <laughs> yeah, getting a refund yeah. is, <laughs> oh man, I miss it. <laughs> I actually look yeah, forward yeah. to tax season now. Yeah, it's nice. I, I, I was in a similar boat, like I have to pay up the wazoo because, you know, I, I guess we're making too much, which is kind of, it's a good problem to have. Like, who's complaining really but still it kind of hurts seeing how much you have to give but it is what it is it's our duty i guess so that's taxes you also want to handle your own uh, legal protections so there's a lot of ways you could freelance but you could be a sole proprietor which is basically you acting as a sole, like an individual but you know the risk of that is you're, if anything happens and you're liable, you get sued, you don't have any protection. They could go directly for your assets, your home, your bank account, all that, all your personal stuff. Whereas if you like start an LLC or an S Corp, then, or I don't know, like there, there are many different forms of uh, businesses, entities you could create. 
then you have like some protection. Then they could only go after what's in the business unless you're extremely negligible. Then they could go after your personal belongings anyway. But as usual, like I said, with the tax thing, we're not experts, consult a lawyer or a business professional about all this. Just know that legal protections is something else you have to think about. You don't have a big company you know, backing you up and protecting you from that liability anymore. So consider that. Yep, yep. <laughs> Freelancing, uh, hiring platforms, just to name a few. I, I haven't used any of these, but I thought we'd share some anyway. Upwork is a big one. You find a lot of different uh, specialties there. Top Tall, I think, is programming specific only. I don't think that one you have to did. like. Uh, that one you have to like get into. Like you have to submit like a resume or something like that. I remember looking at that one. I I okay. You you said it and and I, now I know it's this one. It, you have to pass like some algorithmic exam. And you have to solve that problem within a certain amount of time. So they actually screen for people. So if you're able to pull that off, you actually might get better quality clients because, you know, they probably have deeper pockets if they're looking for quality developers. Then there's Guru, Crew, Gigster, and Elance. We'll try to include these in the show notes uh, for everyone to check out. But those are just some platforms to kind of help you kickstart this process if you want to look for uh, a freelancing gig. Yeah. And let's move on to the other side of this episode, which is going to be employment. Um, you know, I I thought that I was going to always want to go out and be like a, a freelancer or, you know, um, a self-employed person. And then, you know, I ended up going out to Dub Dub with you and WWDC in 2019. And then I saw how smart people are, and I was like, whoa, I could learn a lot. So then I ended up going to work uh, at a, a slightly bigger company as a startup, as a large startup. And, you know, ever since then, I've been pretty happy to stay inside of corporations or like bigger companies. So I like employment. I like being employed. Um, uh, my wife likes that I'm employed. She knows where the next paycheck is coming from. And yeah, let's talk a little bit about employment. Yeah, it's 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 literally like the opposite, right? You give up a lot more freedom in these things, but you have to worry about a lot less. You don't have to manage as much anymore. So with regards to time, let's just start off with, with what we started off with before. So with work-life balance, you're your schedule is given to you. You're typically like nine to five or some slight variation of that. You're going to have a full or part-time schedule and how you spend your time and when you're at work, that's all pre prescribed to you by the company you work at. So you don't have freedom there. Uh, now, some companies kinda, will run you into the dirt though. Some companies will just like say, oh, you're here for your 40 hour work week and then try to work you like 60, 80 hours. Um, I hear this a lot about game development, though. Um, like they grind their developers into the floor. Um, yeah, so it's it's like that thing we said about being paid hourly. A lot of times when you're paid at these companies as an employee, you're salaried. So it's that same problem. If they're paying you the same amount anyway every month, then why not give you as much work as possible, right? So you, there are companies out there that take advantage of that, uh, you know, the five grand they give you is the same. So stay at, late at work, spend a lot of time like doing extra work. 
And yeah, I've, I've been fortunate that I haven't been to a company yet that's like that. So maybe it's not as common for iOS development. I don't know. Yeah, uh, and and even even if the company does respect your time and the whole work life balance, as an engineer, that is just going to be disrupted sometimes. You, you, but it's something that you need to expect it because it just comes with the field. It comes with the work. Um, sometimes that work life balance will definitely be um, disrupted for potentially weeks at a time, and um, sometimes there's just like a big push. Um, internally that you just want to try to get something out. So there will be times where in most companies, I think that you're going to just kind of be expected to work a little bit late. And, you know, for the salaries that come along with these jobs, I don't think that that's a huge problem. Um, I never felt, I've never seen anybody really get abused from it. Um, I've had to do it myself a couple of times, but usually it's like a team effort. It's like, you know, your team wants to try to get this thing out. You could definitely let it fall through the cracks. You probably won't get fired for it, but you know, it's just not going to really reflect uh, too well on the team. And it's like something that, that, you know, you want to get out there now, is this all kind of like, um, is this all kind of like out there because the 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 corporation wants you to be able to do something like that of course like obviously the corporation wants to be able to get the best product out there as soon as possible and they'll take advantage a little bit of advantage of your work-life balance but i think you know from what i've seen it's always been within reason so you stay you stay until you stay after work for like an extra hour or two um for a full week or something like that i think it's all right and usually they ended up usually from what i've seen you end up like having like a really chill day um, after the push is done, you know, like they'll take you out to eat or something like that. Um, so just just some of my past experience and what I've seen out there, it usually uh, balances out pretty well. My, my experience is similar in that it's rare to have to overwork. It's only when we really have to get something into a deadline. But what, there was one other thing I want to touch on based off what you said engineers are pretty highly valued in the job market and companies want to keep them around. So typically they won't do something like that where they kind of drive you out of the company by overworking you to death. So we're fortunate in that regard. They, they do try to pamper us a little and keep us happy. So you hopefully won't, won't find like a place that's like just work, work, work all around the clock. So with, with regards to the work aspect, with regards to employment, you typically, if you're working at like a company, you're basically just going to be working on their main app. Usually you have like one app you work on. And if it's a, a huge app, then you might, and you have a lot of developers, you might be even working on just one subsection of the app, like one tab, or you might just be working on the payment processing portion of the app or whatever. But typically, if it's a company and they only have a couple developers, you'll just be focusing on their main app on the App Store, unless it's a dev shop. So if you work at a dev shop, then you're kind of lucky because, in a way because it's like you get different clients that hire the dev shop and you get to work on like a wide variety of diverse apps and you get a lot of experience that way and you get to build a new app from scratch pretty frequently. So that's kind of... I enjoyed my experience uh, doing that in the past. I've done both, working on one app and at a dev shop. And I, I, it's 
there's something to be said about being in total control and building something from scratch every time versus inheriting a code base and just accepting everything that comes with it, Objective C included. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank God I haven't. Oh, yuck. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. You, you oh, be man. grateful. You better be. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's that. There's there's that to consider. You're 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 working with someone else's code base. Freelancing. This is never a pro- well. Actually, that's not true. Freelancing. You might get that too. So what else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll definitely come across it a lot in freelancing too. If you're if you're working on existing projects, um, just depending on when they've started. Now, um, both Kotlin and uh, Swift have been mainstream programming languages for mobile apps. So you're more like like if those are your languages of choice, you're more likely to run into those types of projects like just completely done in one of those languages. Um, but yeah, you may still come across projects that still have some of the older code um, in it uh, and might be doing a migration. So you might run into a project with Java or one that's completely in Java because projects in Java are still pretty popular. And then um, projects that have some Objective-C in them. Um, I think almost every project is probably going to have some Swift in it by this point, but I'm sure that there's a couple of exceptions out there. Yeah, like maybe this isn't the case as much anymore, but I remember a few years back when I would get freelancing opportunities, there were two questions I'd ask. One was, is there a project already built or is this like a new thing? And if there was a project built, I'd ask what language. And if they said Objective C, I was just like, all right, yeah, I, I could do it, but I'm not going Peace to. Peace like, out. Don't even look yes. at me. <laughs> it's, it's not even. It's not. It's not worth it. Unless I should probably say, like, unless they pay me like something crazy, and if they actually agree to it, then sure. But I, I didn't even bother. So another thing with employment is you get to adopt the tools that you. No, hold up. What am I saying? With employment, you don't uh, get to choose the tools. You just kind of accept whatever is given to you by the company. So if they use XYZ programs then or this for CI, you know, like they use BitRise for CI and this for that. I'm doing a very poor job of explaining this, but you get the point. You're doing business on their terms. You probably use their laptop. You use their apps. Everything is whatever they decided for you. Yeah. So when you get em- when when you're employed, um, usually the first week or two, you're essentially getting set up uh, to take on um, the project and start uh, getting like all their tools um, implemented onto your machine or to the work the work machine that's provided for you, and you're learning that right so there might be a specific workflow that you need to work with. Maybe they're using something that. Um, Uh, is done for you know pull requests that you're not really familiar with maybe you're familiar with like github but they're using something different um in regards to like what eman said uh for their ci cd continuous integration and deployment um they might be working with something like as eman said uh bitrise or or um what is the other one jenkins or circle or whatever um so yeah like there, there may be tools that you have to learn as well once you're onboarded with the job, um, and you don't really get to change that until maybe you become, uh, you know, one of their top developers and you really have a great business use case to where 
changing one of those is going to make a difference. But at that point, you probably have been there for a while. So, yeah, um, it's just like you have to adapt to whatever the current workflow is. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for saving that explanation. I should oh, wear no sunglasses I, I got too. Your, I got your back, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is a team I effort. Get, I, 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 <laughs> I, I can't be as cool without the sunglasses, man. I need to get See, those. See, it's, so it's just the sunglasses. They give you so automatic smooth, intel. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. It actually does work, though. I, I, I'm very surprised. So, pay yeah, and these, benefits. These are my Edith sunglasses for anybody that's a Marvel fan. These are my Edith sunglasses. Even in death, I am the hero. All right. Next. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You, don't, you, you can't just say that. What, it, what do you mean? What, what, who from Marvel says that? All right, so big spoiler alert in case you haven't. Oh heard, no 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 um, no 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 no! Let's not do that then. Let's not do that. I, I I would rather not deal with you know people getting upset with that. We'll talk after. Okay, right. so pay and benefits, healthcare is provided, which is nice. Like and it's heavily subsidized because if you work at a company with a lot of people, so this would kind of be more like non-startup companies you'll get like if they have like 500 employees they could get some pretty sweet deals on healthcare so you'll be paying a lot less and you'll be getting a lot more for your buck you also get like a 401k with a match so you can still get a 401k when you're like freelancing but you're not going to get the match everything's coming out of your own pocket typically what employers will do is say like we'll match half of what you contribute up to 3%, let's say. So if you do 6%, they'll cover 3%. Anything beyond that, they won't do anything. That's like free money. They're just throwing your way for retirement. So, you know, that's an extra benefit, a monetary incentive. And the last one is just a salary. So as we've already mentioned, you just have a steady stream of income, which is really nice. Things are more predictable. And you also get a lot of different like perks. So this is like obviously different from company to company, but they get very creative with trying to attract talent. Some things they do is like kind of give you some money to build out your home office if they allow you to work remote or they'll give you a certain amount of money every year so you can go to conferences like WWDC or I don't know. It just there, there are so many you get discounts at this company or whatever that they just offer so that's another huge benefit of working for an employer or they'll or they'll give you cereal at the office or (laughs) food at the office avocado avocado toast (laughs) yeah man at at one of the companies i worked at they had like a a, an aisle of candy like m&ms this that like i i would literally never walk by that area it was just too tempting i gained a lot of weight at my last job did they feed you? Did they have like meals every day oh, for yeah. you guys? Oh yeah. Yep. They brought they they bought us food every day and there was a candy bar and there was cereal in the morning. There you go. And so, damn. Maybe, <laughs> maybe this should be a drawback of uh working at an empl- a company. Uh sounds dumb, but who when you have it, you got it, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do love the meal aspect, but I love remote more, so I kind of have to forego that benefit. What else is there? Uh, aside from the pay and benefits, is there anything you want to add to the pay and benefits section? Um, 
No, you. I mean, you touched on everything. I mean, there's really not much to say, right? Like the whole entire thing about salary, consistent income. I mean, it's 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 a it's really nice to know that you have a paycheck coming on this date, whether it's every two weeks or first and fifteenth or at the first of the month or whatever it is. It's just nice to know that you have this number coming to you and it's going to be put into your bank account. So that's a huge like peace of mind for me and my family. Um, yeah, the whole entire conferences thing. Pretty cool. Really love that part too. You talking about the salary reminded me there's also stocks and all those options you get as well. So just briefly, you'll, you'll get like discounted stocks or free stocks and it's usually tied to like you staying a while at the company. They, they're not just going to give you stocks day one and then you quit. So it'll be like every quarter or every uh, year you'll you'll vest a certain amount of stocks. So there's that. Yeah, depend, depending on which company you go to, like I think I think all the fang companies do this, but you, your your pay is actually consisted of three different parts, and benefits are not included in these parts of pay. So benefits are just like a given, like you're gonna get them. Um, but the three different types of pay that you get are um, a sign-on bonus, which can last about four years. Um, that like they'll they could potentially split it up until four years. Um, you get obviously your salary, and then the other part to that is um, your RSUs, which are resi- residual stock units, something like that. Yeah. RSUs, free I, I forgot exactly. Yeah, yeah. So they'll give you free stock, right? And um, like Eman had mentioned, you get that in different increments the longer that you're there and what it comes out to when you're work when you get hired for one of these companies is called total compensation so you'll have a a final number of what you'll be getting paid now your salary will obviously be less of that because it's going to be um it's going to it's going to make up your total compensation right so your your total compensation is um let it's going to be just like the final result of what you're going to be paid in total from the company per year and um, how how that it, how that's made up is going to be um, taken from one of those three parts and salary is one of those parts. So obviously it's going to be a, a smaller number than that. But yeah, just a, a little FYI in case you never heard of such a thing because I haven't until I was in this field. Yeah, and just to piggyback off that, when when Kyle talks about getting a bonus when you sign up at this company and that being a part of your salary, obviously it's like a one-time bonus, right? It's like over several years, but they pay that out. Well, so with so with Amazon or with AWS, I'll tell you a little bit about AWS without giving away um, too much, but because um, I don't know what I'm supposed to be able to say. So with AWS. I got a salary, which was X amount of dollars. Um, I got a sign-on bonus, which is um, a varying, a very, a varying number for for four years, and then um, I have my stock. Right. So the way that this works is, I have my salary, which is going to stay consistent for the four years. So it's always X amount of dollars, right? And then I have the the stock now during my first year i only get um uh let's say five percent of my stock right 
So during the first year, I'll get 5% of the total amount of stock. So let's say they're going to give me 100 units of Amazon or something like that. I would only get five of those stock units at the end of my first year. And then everything other than that. So I have the amount that I'm being paid in salary, the amount that I would be making through the current stock price. Uh, and then whatever's left is going to be the um, the sign on bonus, which is to get me to a specific to uh, total compensation number. Right. So then year two rolls around. Salary is the same. This this time I'm getting like, let's say, 15 percent of my stock. Right. Instead of the five percent. Now I'm getting more stock. So then what happens is the sign on bonus is a little bit less this year in order to keep me at that that total compensation number in the third and fourth years it's the same exact thing except um, a large part of it is um, stock and a really small part of it is that sign-on bonus but once that sign-on bonus is done it's done right like the, it, it, so that's what i think people should just be aware of even though it's a part of the salary eventually kind of uh yeah. gets weaned off so and it's not a small amount either it's, no, it's, it's not. They give a lot, especially it's a ridiculous Fang, they, amount. They, Yeah, it might be like fifty, sixty thousand dollars. It's not like oh, here's five hundred dollars for joining our company or something. But go no, ahead, yeah, you're going to say something. It's, yeah, it's, it's a ridiculous amount. So, um, so then you have this thing, uh, or or this phrase that you might hear, which is like the 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 four year cliff or something like that. And um, essentially, what happens on my fifth year is that I will no longer receive stock. Um, just for working there. It might come in the form of maybe a bonus if I do a really good job at something um, from what I've heard. I don't even know if that's true. But um, yeah, uh, during the fifth year, I will be taking a, a significant pay cut because I'll no longer be receiving the sign-on bonus money and I'll no longer be receiving stock as a guarantee. So um, you'll actually see that a lot of people that work at fan companies leave after four years. Right. Um, but yeah, it's just something to take into consideration. Salary exactly. is still good, but it's just like compared to what they were making before. There's the there's there's also the benefit of like climbing the corporate ladder too. So I'll just you know, and that's self-explanatory. I won't go into that. But you're not you're fixed in a way, but you're not. Unfortunately, for the employment world, the fastest way to rise in the ranks and uh, build your income is to switch companies and you know it's kind of kind of sucks to say that but it's the reality your your raise is only going to be so much promotions are few and far between but switching jobs you know you could you could make a 20 30k jump in your salary every time or something yeah definitely so, that's like that's like way it's it's way faster than trying to climb at, at a single company um a lot of people you'll actually see like in this field especially a lot of people jump after about two years um once they're at a company for two years they jump and then you know they become the next level up or they're probably getting paid a lot more um wherever they jump to and um it's not something that i kind of prescribe to but um i do see that it's like a really popular thing to do yeah same but yeah i don't really blame people who do it it makes sense Ta taxes that we mentioned is, is pretty much taken care of for you. You get a W-2 and, you know, you work with your accountant from there. Legal. Um, legal. So this would be like, 
what we mentioned before, you're kind of more shielded here. It's more secure than being a freelancer. Obviously, like don't do anything stupid, but the company can back you up only so much. But generally speaking, you're exposed to less liability when you're employed. And I think that's about it. So for I know we said we talk about startups and corporates, but before we get to that, should we you know what? Actually, let's just do that. Let's just talk about startup versus corporations just a little bit. So these are your two subcategories of employment, right? And startups are basically a more casual environment. It's more laid back, fewer employees generally. You're going to be wearing more hats. You're not just going to only program in a lot of these places. Oftentimes, they might expect you to do a little bit more, but not. it's not always the case. Whereas in a big company they'll have a a person for every role that there is and everything is more nicely divided there's more process more formalization of everything so it kind of depends on what kind of person you are if you like more freedom more laid backness and you know all of that then startup is probably better for you if you if you want like more people around you you want to learn more get promoted you know, learn more about the industry, you probably get a little bit more of that from a corporate environment. Yeah, I'll say that startup, you'll definitely be working more hours, though. Um, like, at, like, as Eman said, you are, uh, you are wearing a lot of different hats. And um, a lot of the times, uh, if if investors are involved, you definitely need to push to get something out. Um, with with corporations, um, you may still have to work extra hours. Most most definitely will, but um, I don't think it's going to be nearly as often as a startup. And that's because what you're going to run into a lot of the times is just red tape, right? Like you need so and so to do X and to unblock you so that you can actually do Y, right? So um, in a lot of those cases, it's like, well, I can't even, I couldn't move forward if I wanted to, because, you know, I just have to go through the process and the process takes so, so long to, to do anything. So, um, yeah. So if you, if you're interested in having more, um, like input, like you, you actually want to be very valued as a team member on the, in the company, then yeah, you're definitely going to want to be in a startup, if you are more interested in, like Eman said, like just kind of learning from being around a lot of really smart people, but you're not necessarily going to be valued by the company itself because you know they could just hire somebody else to replace you. Realistically, then um, you know that's when a corporation is going to be um, more beneficial, and the pay is different too, right? The pay. You'll you'll generally see that corporations are able to pay a little bit better than startups. Um, the thing with the startup is that you're kind of gambling in a sense to say that hey this this company <clears throat> excuse me this company can blow up and be extremely huge and it could be the next huge thing. And if you're like one of the starting members with that company, there could be all kinds of bonuses that that you could win, kind of like a lottery ticket sort of. That's a good point because uh, there's something to be said about being early on a new product in a startup because you you may have a bigger impact or you believe what you know what they 
what their vision is and you want to be a part of something big startups are probably better in a corporate environment you're more of like one piece in a big machine so there's that and also in startups you want to make sure whatever startup you decide to go to is well funded because if they're like struggling and barely staying afloat and they're not going to be around in six months then obviously you don't want to tie yourself to that ship so also be aware of that so what would we recommend like uh, should people generally do employment or uh, freelancing we'll keep this brief because this is probably our longest episode to date but freelancing I'd say it's better for if if you're new and you, you're having a hard time get, getting your first job, look at freelancing uh, and being competitive with your rate. It might be a good way for you to get some experience to start with. And if you're also already in an employment, if you're if you have a family and you need healthcare and all that, definitely go employed. If you just want to learn and get your first job or get your first experience, I think employment is better for that. You learn a lot more than if you're just freelancing on your own. And if you've been employed for a while and then you want to do freelancing, I think freelancing is so much better after you've been employed a while because you you've gained a lot of skill and experience and knowledge from the corporate world. And you could bring that to your clients when you're freelancing. What about you, Kyle? Yeah. So, um, like I, I feel a little bit differently about this. I would say like, if you're just starting out, I wouldn't recommend freelancing. There's just a lot going on, right? Like for freelancing, because once again, you, you are your own business and, um, you're going to be tasked to handle like every ass, potentially you're going to be asked to, um, handle every aspect of the project. Right. And, if you don't have that skill set, it could definitely be um, hard. Um, you may take on a little bit more than you can chew. Um, so it's just that, right? Like um, if you if you're very confident in your abilities, by all means, go out and do it. But like just being able to just like just starting out, I'm thinking back to when I was starting out, starting out um, needing to know how to manage your own money, um, deal with taxes, all these other things, not knowing where your next paycheck's coming from. Um, it's not something that I would necessarily recommend, um, but it's it's fine if you choose to do it. Um, what I would recommend if you're just starting out is go work at a startup or go work at a corporation if you can get into one. And the reason why I recommend going that route first is because um, if you were to just if you were just getting started and you were to do freelancing, a lot of the things that you would be learning how to do, you're going to be learning on your own in a lot of, um, for the most part, um, knowing how to solve problems. And then you can also be solving problems like in, in a less efficient way. You might get the job done, but there could have been possibly a better or easier way to have done it. And it could have saved you a lot of time. And when you go to work on a team um, at a startup or at a corporation, there's usually a lot of other people that you can learn from. Now, I would actually say that, um, you know, a corporation would be better for this type of individual because a startup, you could end up working at a very small startup, which is what I did. And I, and I still ended up in that situation to where um, I was essentially doing, um, I was still coding stuff and I was still learning st uh, learning stuff on my own for the most part because I was the only iOS developer on the team. So it wasn't like I could ask my manager um, for help on 
very much. Um, I can only ask about some theory. And even then, since he's a backend developer, there wasn't much overlap in um, his expertise versus what needs to actually be accomplished. So I would say startups and corporations, a, a team environment is which, what I would highly recommend. It will propel you much faster. And then after after you've had like maybe a year or two in the, in the industry, um, then freelance would be an excellent choice because if that's what you wanna do, um, because then at least you have some experience, you have some contacts um, that you can reach out to if you need to, um, if you need help on on a problem or you, you you know you just need to bounce something off of somebody um but yeah like really you can't go wrong with what what route you go down it's just i would say like try to work on a team first and then um if you want to go out on your own go after that there you have it so that about wraps it up for freelancing versus employment startups and corporate so we'll very briefly go over our audience feedback. So the tweet in regards to our audience feedback, um, we're just going to go over the poll. We won't go into um, some of the responses this time just because we had a longer episode, but um, make sure you check out those responses. So the question that we asked was, if you had to choose only one as a programmer, which would it be? And um, what we had were uh, employed slash startup, which came out to 25.7%. Uh, that's the lowest one. Then we had employed slash corporate. That was thirty two point nine percent. So more so more people would rather work at a corporate place than they would at a startup place. Um, and then the third one and the last one is called uh, self-employed slash freelancing. And this was the majority of what people picked at forty one point four percent. So people would rather do freelancing and be self-employed. Um, then they would prefer to go corporate. And then lastly, they would choose startup. So this is like very limiting in terms of how um, people were able to answer, right? Um, it's it's like you can only choose one and you're going to stick with that one. And I think with the freelancing, just having that whole entire flexibility um, in order to like go out and just do your own thing um, and work your own hours is uh more enticing to people overall, especially during a time of COVID where everybody's kind of locked in and you're probably not going to be sitting with the team a whole lot anyway. So freelancing does definitely make sense um, a lot um, during times like these. But I think if if we were in a different time, um, you know, we might see these a little bit more competitive um, and and maybe even get a different result. What do you think, Eman? Uh, I'm, I'm in about the same place. I agree. Uh, I don't really have much to add. You said it beautifully and you look beautiful while you said it. So, Hell yeah. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. It, was, it, it wasn't it wasn't a waste <laughs> all right yeah, so definitely. that's going to be it for us today thank you so much for joining us here on the code passionately podcast as always if you have um if if you have any questions that you want to ask us or if you want to participate in the audience feedback make sure you check us out on twitter um you could find me on twitter at kilo underscore loco that's at k-i-l-o underscore l-o-c-o and email at Iman Harut, E-M-A-N-H-A-R-O-U-T.
All right. And that's going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for joining us on this very long episode of the Code Passionately podcast, and we will catch you next week. Go out there and keep coding passionately.